Bibles, open them up to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Hallelujah. And it says these words. Blessed is the man or person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he, underline it, meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's some pretty good stuff, isn't it? Amen. Today I want to talk about a topic that will determine if you're going to live an effective Christian life, a powerful Christian life, or if you're going to just blend in with the unsaved. You're just going to blend in with the world and make absolutely no impact on this earth at all. This practice, this, I'm going to call it a discipline, is literally going to determine determine if you're going to have a life of prosperity and blessing. The prophetic word from Jamie today was talking about prosperity. She mentioned it. I'm like, okay, Holy Ghost, there it is. If you're going to live a life of prosperity and blessing, or if you will live a life according to this world system that's attached to the curse. I said, or if you're going to live according to this world that's attached to the curse. See, it is possible to be a Christian, to be a believer, and still live your life without being in the blessing of God. Did you know that? It is possible to to be a Christian, to be a believer in Jesus Christ, and still live your life without being in the blessing of God. Many Christians are selling themselves short because they are simply not willing to put in the time or the effort in their spiritual life to be a disciple. I talked about that last week. You're a believer or you're a disciple. A a believer says, "Ah, I'm just saved, that's good enough. And then they blend right into the world. A disciple says, I want to learn about the kingdom of God. I want to learn about God's spiritual laws and how to activate them in my life. There is a difference. Now remember, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Those that put effort into His relation, into their relationship with Him. Those that read, those that feed on, those that study the Word of God, those that put it into practice. Today I want to talk about a very powerful topic. I want to talk about the power of biblical meditation. The power of biblical meditation. Now, it is impossible to talk about the practice or discipline of biblical meditation without talking about the imagination. If you've been here for the last few weeks or whatever, you know I'm on this whole imagination kick. The Holy Spirit has me teaching on how the imagination is locked in to our desires, locked into faith. Amen? They are connected. In fact, it's impossible to separate biblical meditation from the imagination. If you are meditating on something, you are using, you might not know it or not, but 
You are using your imagination in connection with that thing somehow or some way. Do you agree with that? We need to be aware, number one, that there is a counterfeit to biblical meditation. Immediately when, when a, a, a Christian hears the word meditation, their wall goes up and say, oh, that's horrible, that's bad. No, 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 no. You see, there is a type of meditation that the New Age beliefs have, that the occult has, that witchcraft, those in witchcraft use. That's called transcendental meditation. Now listen to me, there is a difference, all right? There is a difference. Transcendental meditation is when you're emptying yourselves, you're emptying your mind, and you're repeating things that gives place to the enemy in your thought life. Are you following me? So I'm not up here teaching no new age things. What I'm teaching is to use everything that God has given us as believers. Amen? God has given us the ability to meditate. There is power in biblical. I said there's power in biblical meditation. Meditation, by the way, is a spiritual law. It is neutral. It's neither good It's neither bad. You determine how you meditate, whether you're meditating on something good or meditating on something evil. Are you following me right now? So it is neutral. Say meditation is neutral. It depends on me and what I'm meditating on. All right. Now, listen to this. So biblical meditation means that you are filling your mind. You're filling your thought life with thoughts about God, thoughts about the Word of God, thoughts about the works of God. In in fact, you're filling your thought life with spiritual things, you could say it this way, that are connected to the kingdom of God. If you are thinking on things connected to the kingdom of God, congratulations, you're doing biblical meditation. It is a filling our thought life with the truth from God's Word. You need to know the difference between good and the evil versions of meditation. Now remember, you got to understand this. The devil and demons and the entire kingdom of darkness, they cannot create anything. They never created anything. You understand that, right? What they can do is they take what God created, they take what God created, they take the spiritual laws, and they twist and pervert them to be used in a negative direction. Come on, somebody. Here's where you got to stop throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I said many Christians throw the baby out with the bathwater. God created us with a creative ability to meditate. He created us, uh, he create, created us to meditate on Him, to meditate on things connected to the kingdom of God and His Word. In fact, listen, you and I, we meditate all the time. What I'm doing is, it is I'm just kind of taking this little slice out and I'm magnifying it. I'm magnifying this thing. Are you following me? I'm taking this topic and I'm slicing it out of your life and I'm saying, I'm making it bigger like you do on a computer. You make this small thing that was bigger. You and I meditate all the time. Here's the problem. Most of the time it's anxiety, worry, fear, unbelief, doubts. Are you following me? That's meditation. You're just doing it in the wrong direction. you got to get it going in the right direction. Amen? Amen. So let's dive into this powerful topic. I'm telling you, I believe I'm going to show you some things that are going to blow your mind. Some of you are going to say, wow, this is why I have done this. 
I'm telling you. Let's dig into the wells of salvation. Now, meditate is defined as this. If you Google meditate, it's defined as this. To think deeply or focus one's mind for a period of time. That's the key. It's not a passing thought. It's a period of time. A lengthy amount. Why am I being looked at like a deer in the headlights here? Okay. Listen to me. (laughs) Meditate is defined as to think deeply, not shallow, deeply, or to focus one's mind for a period of time in silence with the aid. Listen, this is what Google says. Now, some of y'all are going to freak out on this, but hold on tight. Ready? It's okay. Pastor James has you on this one. Listen. Or with the aid of chanting, it says. Now, I know, uh, the moment you heard the word chanting, all of a sudden you're like, oh, see, it's evil. I can tie all this into the word right now. I'll show you in a moment. So, to think deeply or to focus one's mind for a period of time in silence with the aid of chanting for religious or spiritual purposes or as a method of relaxation. That's Google. But don't let the word chanting throw you off. Because you'll see here in a moment with the scripture I'm going to pull out and the definition of chanting, you'll be like, oh, okay, I feel better now. Listen, the kingdom of darkness has done a great job of scaring Christians. The, the enemy has been scaring Christians away from the supernatural for a very long time. Because the New Age, the occult, people in witchcraft, and all of that junk, they have hijacked it. And so now Christians say, well, oh, meditation, because oh, they only, I guarantee you, the only time most of you have ever heard the word meditation is in connection to the new age. Amen. Yeah. And so uh, they've hijacked it. They put an evil spin on the topic. But listen to me. The Holy Spirit says this. It's time to take these things back and use them for the kingdom of God. Amen. It's time to use it in our favor for the kingdom's purposes. Amen. Listen, the word imagination. So meditation and imagination, they go hand in hand. They're twins. You can't do one without the other. The imagination is defined as this. An act or power of forming a mental image of something not present to the senses. And I added natural senses. Or never before wholly perceived or aware of reality in the natural realm, right? Now, go with me to Joshua 1.8. Let me show you something here. We're going to tie all this together. I am tired of seeing how the enemy has hijacked this stuff. And Christians, that's, that's why Christians, uh, many Christians want to stay at the believer level. They don't want to go deeper because they're afraid they're touching. Come on, new age junk. Are you following me? Joshua 1.8. Look at this. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, oh, some of you are getting, I just seen a revelation. I just seen a light bulb go on right there. Listen to me. 
I want you to notice, number one, that we are commanded to meditate on the Word of God day and night. Oh, come on. He didn't say meditate on your mountain. He didn't say meditate on your problems. It says meditate on the Word of God, this book of the law. Amen? Amen. Meditation happens when you think about something for an extended period of time. It's Like I said, it's not just, just a passing thought. That's why just taking a look at scriptures on a Sunday morning, it's not going to do anything for you. Because it's just passing by. But the, but the meditation says it, you're, you're on this thing in your thought life for an extended period of time. Come on, somebody. So the purpose of meditation, biblical meditation, has many benefits and reasons attached to it. But specifically in this verse, we are to meditate, listen, so that we will keep the Word of God fresh in our thought life. Why? So we don't forget it. All right? And to be able to do the Word of God. So we meditate on the Word so we won't forget it. It stays fresh up here. And then we become doers of that word that we're thinking about. Are you following me so far? So our actions are a product of our thought life. Our physical body does nothing on its own. Did you know that? Our physical body is a glove for our spirit and soul. In fact, a glove is useless without a hand in it. If you show me a glove and you throw it on the ground, it's going to stay there till Jesus comes unless someone picks it up, puts their hand in it, and uses that glove. Our physical body only does what your spirit and soul tell it to do. Are you following me? Okay, listen to me now. So our physical body, you could say it this way, is a slave to our spirit man and to our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. So what you, oh yeah, you're getting a psychology lesson today, by the way. So what you think about will eventually be played out or acted through your physical body. That's why Jesus said you can commit adultery in your thought life. Come on, somebody. There is not one action that did not somehow run through your thought life, through your soul, through your mind, will, or emotions. Now, I want you to notice in Joshua 1.8, that it connects meditating on the Word with verbally speaking the Word. Oh my. Come on, say speaking. speaking. It says if we will meditate on the Word of God, which includes speaking the Word of God, it will affect or influence our actions. And then we will make our way prosperous and we will have good success. Now, I want you to notice something here. By the way, the word chanting literally means to speak something. Do you see how, so, you know, you hear the word chant. I know when I heard the word chant, immediately my mind went to some guru sitting in a cave with a burlap uh, uh, cover on, right? Just something weird and bizarre, the hint in the Hindu, whatever, you know? Like some, some, with a beard down to the, you know, whatever. Never took a bath, you know? That's what I thought of when I heard the word chant. All right? But chant simply means to speak something over and over. We are to chant or speak the word of God over and over when we meditate. Now, I want you to notice this. I want you to notice 
that it's not God's responsibility. Some of, the, some of you are going to get blown away by this. It is not God's responsibility to make you and I prosperous and have good success. You watching online right now? It's not God's responsibility to make you prosperous or have good success. What does it say? It says you will make your way prosperous and have good success. When you start meditating on the word, speaking the word, and acting on the word. That's what draws it in. The Holy Spirit is revealing to us how and what we need to do with the spiritual laws and to put them in favor, in our favor on this life right now. See, you can pray day and night for prosperity. You can pray day and night for success. But until you begin to meditate on the Word, speak the Word, and become a doer of the Word, that prosperity, that success will not happen. Now, here's some of you are saying this. Yeah, well, there's unsaved that are having prosperity and, and success, right? I know, I can hear it right now. I got an answer for you. Biblical prosperity, biblical success says this, that God, that, that you get it and there's no sorrow attached to it. Now the world has a lot of money, but they're without the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what's attached to it? Sorrow. That's why you got a bunch of millionaires, billionaires committing suicide in the world without the Lord Jesus Christ at the very center of their life. So Christians are praying to God for prosperity. Listen to me. But they refuse to activate the laws of giving to the kingdom of God. They forget to activate the law of giving to the poor and needy. Are you following me? The Holy Spirit said this. Are you ready? This is what he said to me. He said, give me something to anoint and bless and multiply in your life. That's what the Holy Spirit said. Give me something to anoint. Give me something to bless. Give me something to work with in your life. So Christians, many of them, they're praying, God, give me this, give me that, give me that. And God's saying, give me something to work with here. Sow into the kingdom of God. Go out and help needy people. Come on, somebody. We got to put the spiritual laws into action for God to bless, to prosper, and we have good success. Amen? Now, biblical meditation sets us in the right, on the right track in our thought life to become a doer of the word which releases blessings. Amen? Now, listen to this. Biblical meditation is a focus on spiritual things, like I said, connected to the kingdom of God. That gives, and, and when we do that, listen to this, it gives the Holy Spirit access into your life. It gives the Holy Spirit access to give you more revelation and more understanding in your life. Remember, I always bring it up, when God gave a vision to Peter, and it said, as Peter was thinking on the vision, because he, he was like, what does this even mean? As he was thinking on, which is another way of saying, as he was meditating on it, then the Holy Spirit spoke. When you meditate on the things of the kingdom of God, you're given the Holy Spirit access. You're saying, Holy Spirit, teach me. Yes. Yes. Are you following me? Yes. Yes. The Holy Spirit 
said, showed something very important that most Christians, when you read this thing, you'll just pass right on by. 2 Timothy 2.7, the Apostle Paul wrote something very powerful. And I guarantee you, most of you just wrote on by it because I have for years until I was studying for this and, the, and it just jumped out at me. Listen to this. It says this. The King James, James Version says this. Consider what I say. Think about, meditate on what I say. Consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Did you catch that? But I don't understand this. I don't understand the Bible when I read it. Because you're not thinking on it. You're not meditating on it day and night. You're not keeping it fresh on the inside. So you come to one service and you see one you you come to and you see one scripture and you say, I don't understand. I don't understand. Start thinking about it, and the Holy Spirit will give you understanding. There is not one time that revelation has not come. Revelation has not come to me until I started thinking about a scripture, really chewing it, thinking about it in my thought life. And then all of a sudden something popped like fireworks in my spirit and understanding came. Revelation came. Are you getting this? So our meditation of the Word of God releases revelation and understanding. Uh, You could say this way. It is an invitation to the Holy Spirit to teach you the Word of God. Now, let, I, now this, this is, is going to blow some of y'all's minds here, okay? Get ready. <laughs> Let's go a bit deeper into the function of the mind or the soul. I don't know. Do you know this or not? We are very complex beings. The soul, our thought life, our mind is very complex, Don't even try to simplify it because it's very complex. We're made in the image and likeness of Almighty God. There's nothing simple about that. Amen? Amen. Listen to this. I believe this is going to be a powerful revelation to many and explain why you do certain things and maybe why you feel the way you feel about certain things. Here we go. Ready? Science tells us that the mind is split into two parts. The conscious mind and the subconscious mind. You could draw a circle and put a, a line right in the middle. And on top, you, you put conscious. On the bottom, subconscious. All right? You can do your own study of this, by the way, on the internet. Listen to this. The conscious mind is the part that's educated. The conscious mind is an action of your will. It's things that you willingly think about or have an awareness of. Are you following me? On a conscious level. That's all conscious means. It means you're aware of it. Your conscious part of your mind. Right now, you can start thinking about a pink elephant. Right now. You know that? You can start thinking about a pink elephant. That's your conscious mind. Say conscious. The subconscious part of your mind is the part that you are not conscious of or aware of. Get this. This is so amazing. I'm telling you, this is a key right here to why people are in bondage and they don't know why. the, The subconscious mind does things for your body. That you don't have to constantly think and think about. It just happens, like breathing. When you get in your car, body functions and other things that are second nature to you. Are you following me? Yeah. You ever done that? 
You ever been driving before and you, you kind of, you're going into a daze, but you're still driving. You're in the center of the road. You're not even thinking about it. You're just doing it because your subconscious mind has been trained to drive. Why? Because you've done it repetitiously. Come on, listen to me now. It's the part of you, the subconscious part. It's the part of you that affects your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors without you even being aware of it. What do I mean by that? Listen, I'm talking about emotional triggers in your life. This absolutely explains why people have panic attacks that come out of nowhere. Something happened that got stuck in your subconscious mind. Something happens and triggers a panic attack. And you're wondering, why am I feeling this way? And you can't seem to snap out of it. I'm talking to somebody. So this explains panic attacks that come out of nowhere. Fears about things. A negative outlook on life. Unexplained anxiety, depression, and and being drawn to addictions when you don't even want it. Are you following me? There's a weakness there. Something is like a magnet pulling you. Oh, come on, somebody. Here's what happened to you. Our subconscious mind is programmed at a very young age. Before your conscious mind was able to fully function, your subconscious mind literally had no restraints. It was open, and it was like a vacuum that sucked everything in. The negative words from your mom and dad. Listen to me. All of these things. The one thing the Holy Spirit gave me, prejudice. Prejudice isn't a natural thing. It's learned. The Hatfields and the McCoys, you aware of that? For generations, they hated each other. Generations. There's like a generational hate in there. Why? Because the parents would pass on and, and release that hate in their child, and it got into their subconscious. This explains so much. I'm telling you right now. Why do I do the things I do? Why am I drawn to the pig slop of this world? Why are these panic attacks happening? What's going on? Something needs to be untriggered in your subconscious. Now, are you following me? So before your conscious mind was able to fully function, your subconscious mind was a vacuum. It took everything in. There was no limitations. There was no gateway to block it like you have now as, a, as someone who has a conscious mind. You're aware of things. You can, that's why you can cast down imaginations now. Are you following me? There's no limitations to what was filling your mind. No checks and balances. <clears throat> Listen, and also... A belief system in your subconscious mind gets programmed. Listen to me. So when you're a young child, much of your subconscious mind is formed. There is a belief system that was formed in that subconscious mind. And you didn't even know it. Why do you think the enemy's after our youth? Why do you think the enemy's after the children? Why do you think that they're having transgender people do pole dancing at schools? 
They're trying to form a belief system in that subconscious part of their mind. Are you following me? All the enemies being exposed today. Now here's what can happen as an adult that can shift your subconscious mind. Traumatic experiences. Something happens to you that is so emotionally traumatic. In other words, this trauma or painful experience that's happened to you is so painful. What happened is it was so painful to think about. It touched your your, your conscious mind. You're aware of this thing. But when it was so painful, it went beyond that into the subconscious part. It bypassed your conscious mind and it goes right into the subconscious part. And it forms a belief system. Our belief system is formed in the subconscious mind. You know that? That's why you were raised in a church or something. And you have a problem with tongues. You have a problem with with believing God. Because a belief system was formed at a very young age against the Word of God. Listen to me. That is why people have responses to certain words. Responses to certain actions. They have certain fears, jealousies. How they react the way they do. Because something that happened in the past has become such a part of their subconscious mind. It affects them now as an adult without, without it even going through your conscious part. They, here's what the Holy Spirit said. These people are unable to connect the dots. Why am I feeling the way that I do? It became a part of your belief system in your subconscious mind. Now, that is why a panic attack happens seemingly uncontrollably. And a person just can't snap out of it. Listen, I've had panic attacks when I was younger. And I'm telling you right now, you can, if you've ever had one, you cannot just snap out of it. There's, I mean, they're so bizarre. They just creep up out of nowhere. Something in the subconscious mind got triggered. And many times, here, listen to me. Let's, let's bring how the enemy plays on this. Demons play on that emotional weakness in the Christians and in people from the subconscious part of them. This is good preaching. Let me, can I share with you a little testimony from my life in the past that ties in? You like hearing that? Listen to this. When I was a young child, I was afraid to be alone. I mean, I'd be on the farm with my grandpa, I mean, probably up to even 10, 11 years old. He would have me, he'd bring me to go, you know, with him in the tractor to uh, go fill the, the truck up with fertilizer. And he would say, hey, you just stay in here. You just stay in here and I'll be back. And all of a sudden, I'd have a panic attack. I couldn't be alone. I had a fear of being alone. I was afraid to be alone. It was the strangest thing. It was a fear, just a tormenting fear that would come over me. I mean, it was so strong. It kept me in bondage for a very long time as a a kid. Here's what I found out. Are you ready for this? I found out when I was around probably three or four, I was at the Imlay City Fair. I grew up in Imlay City. I was at the Imlay City Fair with my mom. And I wandered away from her, and I was lost in a sea of people. And I was screaming, Mom, where are you, Mom? And she said, I, it was just, I was, I was screaming, 
like looking for her. My mom freaked out. She thought that I was kidnapped. A man saw that I was lost and screaming for my mom, and he brought me back to the main office where I was reunited with her. Now, here's what I want to say. I don't, with my conscious mind, I don't remember any of that. I don't remember that negative experience at all. I was too young. That trauma was so painful, it got deep down in my subconscious mind, and I was able to be, a, be alone. I was afraid to be alone for a very, very long time. Very, very odd. It was, it was so demonic. And Satan and demons played on that in my life as a child. A lot of torment. It, it was like I, I, it would, when I would be in a place where I was alone or the thought of being alone, it was almost like that panicked little boy uh, in my emotions would rise up. Like I was right there again, stuck at that fair, alone, searching for mommy. Don't tell me emotional healing is not needed in the body of Christ. Because it is. You would be, listen to me, the sum of who you are today, the bondages and strongholds you have today are from emotional bondages that you went through in the past. Even as a child. Even in the womb. When mommy or daddy said, I don't want you. Your subconscious got that. And guess who else got that memo? The kingdom of darkness. That was the moment you gave permission to Satan and evil spirits and say, go ahead, have my, co- have my kid, have my child. Are you following me? Now, so, so if I was alone or the thought of it, I would start to have a panic attack and I wouldn't know why. And, and when, I, when I was told that, I was like, wow. And in the Holy Spirit, when I was coming up with this message, the Holy Spirit brought this whole thing to my remembrance. And he said, tell the people about your story. Because it ties right in. Again, I was too young to understand what was going on. I don't even remember that with my conscious mind. But the subconscious got it. And it wrecked me for a long time. Now, there is something else. Another thing that happened to me when I was a very young child. I almost choked to death on a butterscotch. For years as a child, I had problems swallowing food. I was afraid of choking to death. My mom and dad, bless their hearts, I mean, they tried to do the best they could do, but, you know, they didn't know much about the whole demonic issue and all that stuff. But, but they would take me to the doctor, and I remember the doctor would put, you know, down my throat, you know, to scope me out. What's wrong? Why isn't he swallowing? Blah, blah, blah. It's because I almost choked to death and the subconscious mind got the memo. And a spirit of fear took hold. Are you following me? Demons played on that bondage for a long time. Again, it programmed my subconscious mind to be triggered with tormenting fear. And really, do you know what fear is? Fear really is the fear of death. The root cause of fear, the torment of fear is is fearing death, plain and simple, any kind of fear. Now, so the thought life is very powerful. The enemy knows that. Your thought life forms your perception of reality. Let me say that again. Your thought life forms your perception of reality. That's why two different people can go through the same experience and have different experiences or uh, how, they, how they handle that experience. Are you following me? 
it all comes down to your thought life. It all comes down to your thought life. There are some in here and listening to me around the world that are in bondage to feelings, bondage to thoughts that seem to be so irrational. In fact, they're so irrational, you're embarrassed of it. You're embarrassed of it. And they're uncontrollable in your life. Well, this is the information that you have been looking for. This is what's been going on. This is the reason why you feel the way that you do. This, this is why, this is the explanation of why you react the way that you do. I'm here to declare that there is one thing that can heal and reprogram that subconscious mind. And that is the one thing that can renew your mind, your conscious and subconscious mind. And that is the word of the living God. And the only way it can do that is because the anointing's attached to the Word of God. So really, it's the anointing that's on the Word of God, right? Now, and specifically, meditating on the Word of God. And you most likely, by the way, if you're going through that, you most likely need some emotional healing and deliverance ministry as well. Because if there's a torment that strong on you, I guarantee you, a demon is associated with that torment. Are you following me? Meditating on the Word of God will rewire and heal your subconscious mind. It will form a new belief system on the inside of you based on the Word of God and not based on your past negative circumstances. Now, hold, here we go. Listen to this. Just, just briefly thinking about the Word of God will, will only affect your conscious mind for a very short time. But meditating on the Word of God, remember, meditating means a, a period of time. So it's more than just a glance. It's a period of time. Amen? Thinking deeply for an extended period of time, using your imagination in connection with the Word of God will allow a transformation and a healing to take place here in the deepest part of your subconscious mind. Boy, maybe I should have had some couches and had people lay down today because you're, right? Think about it. Well, God created us. God created us, right? And true science, true psychology backs up what the Word says. And trust me, there's plenty of evidence in the Word. Amen? That is why meditating on the Word of God manifests peace on the inside of you. Because it goes deep into your soul. It penetrates your soul. Here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. Listen to this. It's like watering your lawn with a sprinkler. If you turn your sprinkler on, say, you know how we didn't have rain for a very long time. My lawn was horrible, just brown. I thought I was living in Arizona. It was like watering your lawn with a sprinkler. If you turn it on for five minutes, it won't make any kind of a positive impact on your lawn, right? But if you will put a sprinkler on your yard and let it run for an hour or two, that water will go deep into the roots and impact that yard and make a change. That's what meditation is to us spiritually. Meditation is putting that sprinkler out for an extended period of time so it can make a difference and go to the roots of your thought life. Now, so here's the key. There must be repetition for it to go deep into your subconscious part of your mind. It must be repetition. When I first started learning how to fly, when we started uh, practicing uh, landings, horrible. 
horrible. I mean, I was all over the place. The instructor had to grab it and, you know, save our lives. But as I kept doing it repetitiously, it became second nature. Now it's just like driving a car for me. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I can land an airplane with my fingertips right now. Why? Because I did it repetitiously and it got into my mind. I don't even have to think about it anymore. Come on, somebody. When you do something over and over, it becomes second nature to you. I really need you to get a hold of that. I want to encourage you to allow the sprinkler of biblical meditation to run for an extended period of time so it will truly impact and transform your soul, consciously and subconsciously. Don't ever forget this. Only your Creator God can truly heal and set you free. Amen? You need to willingly invite the Holy Spirit into the process. And meditation, biblical meditation does that. You can't do it on your own. Go to Romans chapter 12. Stick with me here. It's only 1138. I'm doing real well. Now, uh, you getting anything out of this? How many of this is new to anybody here today hearing this about the mind? The different parts. Okay. Well, I'm telling you. It's so true. Many people don't even think about it. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Listen to this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Notice it talks about giving your body as a sacrifice. Now what is it going to in verse 2? Your thought life. You can only give your body if your thought life is lined up. Why? Because your, your physical man is just a glove for your spirit and soul. Look at this. And do not be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So those painful situations, those painful circumstances that you have been through in your life, they have been, the Holy Spirit said this, He said those things you've been through in your life, they have been conforming or pressing on your soul. They've been pressing on your mind. They've been pressing on your will and on your emotions. They've tried to put you in a mold. Say mold. Those things have left a mark in your soul. Do you know that? Those things have left a mark in your soul, in your belief system. But the Holy Spirit, with your cooperation, can heal and transform your soul into something beautiful, something powerful. Amen? And then when that happens, when that transformation happens... That's when you can prove what is that good, that acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. Now look at this. The word transformed is defined as this. The word transformed is defined as this. To make a thorough and dramatic change in form, appearance, I like it, and character of. Oh my goodness. To make a thorough and dramatic change in the form, appearance, and character of. So meditating on the Word of God will make a thorough and dramatic change in your life, in your character. Why? Because it affects your belief system. Are you following me? 
It will peel away the layers of the worldly junk and emotion of the emotional pain and bondage, the needless weight that you're carrying every day on this earth. That is everything that's holding you back from being everything that God has created you to be. It will allow you and I to get down to the core of who we really are. Anybody who's been through an emotional healing and deliverance session of ours, one thing that I, I bring up most of the time, probably 99% of the time, I always say, so who is the real you? You should see the looks on people's face. Why? Because so many onion layers have come over their life from all the pain they've been through, all the circumstances. They don't even know who they are. That's why I asked them, who are you? Who is the, whatever your name is, that God created. That's what you got to get down to. The core character of who God created. Because there's some things that you're doing in life. They're not even you. They're, they're, what I mean is, God does not want you to partake of it. It's not the real you. It's not the born again you. Are you following me? So we need to peel these layers off. So that question really jars people. Like they'll say, well, uh, I, I, I'm loving. I'm, and they start to name things. But you can see the pain that they've been through in life. The walls that they put up. It's a bondage in their life. So I ask all of you and you watching online, who is the real you that God created? Think about it. Mm. Now, many Christians, think about this. This is, this is unbelievable. Many Christians live and die without that transformation process ever happening. Think about that. Many Christians live and die 70, 80, 90, 100, 120 years without this transformation process ever happening. They are a product. They are a product of terrible experiences, situations that have defined them. You've been abused. You've been molested. Whatever happened in your life, you don't want to go there because it's too painful. But I'm telling you right now, it's dictating your life whether you know it or not. Because it's, it's, it's shifting your belief system. Believing who you are. And that's where the enemy can come in and lie to you. Are you following me? That those people have, have failed to truly take responsibility to deal with the junk and pain in their life. They have chosen to live their entire life in bondage and not being themselves. They wear many masks. And they're not being the one that God created them to be. We have one go around on this earth. Amen? By the way, it's never too late. It's never too late to start that transforming process. But these people have been at the mercy of the conforming, the, the pressing into the mold of the world and unfortunate circumstances and experiences in their life. Th those things have formed them on the inside. And, it, and God's saying, that's not the way it should be. I've never intended it to be that way. Amen? So many people have a belief system that's filled with dead religion. And because of that wrong belief system, their subconscious mind, in their subconscious mind, it hinders them even in their faith with God. It hinders them from receiving the Holy Spirit baptism and praying in tongues even. Right? I mean, I've talked to people who have a hard time praying in tongues because the first thing they'll tell me is, <laughs> I grew up in a church that said tongues were of the devil. 
It formed a belief system in their subconscious mind. Are you following me? Don't tell me how we treat this generation, how this world is trying to reach this generation. There's a reason why Satan's trying to reach this generation. Because he knows the power in starting at a very young age, why their mind is wide open. Come on, somebody. Now listen to this. We know that Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That literally means a consistency of hearing and meditating on the Word of God. So there must be a consistency then. It says faith can't even come until there's a consistency, a consistency of getting in the Word, a consistency of meditating on the Word. Amen? It must be consistency so it can impact your conscious and subconscious parts of your mind. Now, let me put it to you this way. We need to change the subconscious part of our mind again because, I can't say it enough, that is where your belief system is located. That is. Say belief system. That's where it's located. We need to change our subconscious mind so that, here's why, we need to keep feeding on the Word of God, meditate on the Word. Here's why. So our subconscious mind, we can become a doer of the Word as automatic as a reflex. That's what God desires. That we should be doers of the Word without even thinking about it. When someone gossips or someone comes against us, immediately the reflex should be love our enemies. Are you following me? That's the importance of constantly keeping it fresh in your conscious mind because it soaks into the lawn of your subconscious mind and it becomes second nature. Now you know why there's so many backslidden Christians because they're meditating on the world's junk. And guess what? Acting like the devil is second nature to them. Oh, come on, somebody. That's some good preaching right there. You won't even need to process it. And that's what we're really trying to change and impact. We're trying to impact. God's saying this. I'm trying to impact the deepest part of your soul. The deepest part of your mind, will, and emotions. That's where he wants to go. He says, I just don't want you to be conformed. He goes, I want you to be transformed. I find it very interesting that Jesus commanded us as Christians to have what? Childlike faith. Now, we know that desire and faith are both connected to the imagination. I heard it this way. Someone was talking about the imagination, and they said, a child's imagination is more creative. It's more pure because they've not been polluted with unbelief like adults have. Think about it. But Jesus said, I want childlike faith. He says, I want you to start dreaming with me again. I want you to take my word and start dreaming with me about who you really are. I want you to start dreaming about that mountain being moved in your life. I want you to start imagining and seeing blessings come into your life. Are you hearing me? So a child's imagination is more creative. It's more pure. That's why God requires that childlike faith. He requires a purity of trusting him. The simplicity of trusting him. My last scripture and I'm out of here. Going to Tampa. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Hallelujah. 
We're leaving you. We're, I'm leaving you with a power message that you can walk out of this. You can walk out of this building. You can shut that video off and say, "I can put that into practice right now." Amen. This isn't just this. See, these messages. These aren't just something pie in the sky stuff that you can't do. No, I'm giving you practical things that you and I can do. That's going to increase our spiritual walk with the Lord. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. And it says these words. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which, underline it, surpasses all understanding, surpasses your even awareness into the subconscious. My goodness. Which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate, 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 meditate on these things. Now, I'm about ready to drop a revelation bomb on you that I've never seen before. You're like, how can you? Pastor James, you've been such a blessing in this message. You've been dropping so much. Okay, now maybe you haven't said that. Maybe you haven't said that, but I got a revelation bomb for you to drop. Are you ready? That's what every pastor wants to think, at least. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Be anxious for nothing. In other words, in the conscious part of your mind, what you're aware of and what you control, we're commanded, don't be anxious. Are you following me? Now, take everything to prayer with thanksgiving or giving of thanks when you pray. And when we do that, When you follow those instructions, the Word of God says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. You all agree with that? All right, good. You're agreeing with the Word. Now, listen. Willingly rejecting anxiety in the conscious part of your mind, what you control, and praying with a heart of thankfulness or gratitude uh, toward God. Gratitude's powerful, by the way will release a peace that bypasses your understanding. It literally will affect and change your belief system. It will bypass even your awareness. Have you ever had that peace that you prayed about something and you just had a heart of thankfulness toward God and all of a sudden you were worried about something, concerned, but you decided, I'm going to take this to God in prayer and all of a sudden just a peace on the inside came. Okay. Now, look at this. Look at verse 8 what it tells us to meditate on. It is a continuation of and connected to the instructions found in verse 6 and 7. Because verse 8 starts off with finally. You know what the word finally? In other words, to tie all this together. Are you following me? So there's a flow. All right? In other words, to tie it all all together. So the instructions in verse 8 in what to meditate on is the reason why Peace that passes all understanding is released on the inside of the deepest part of our soul. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit. Oh, my. Okay. All right. I'm excited. Are you all ready? Bump your neighbor. Wake him up because I'm getting ready to drop this. Okay. 
Okay. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me about verse 8. Again, that's the one that says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely of a good report, and so on and so forth, right? The Holy Spirit spoke this to me. He said, Many read this verse thinking only about present circumstances to meditate on. That is wrong. My instruction in verse 8 is to think about things in your imagination that you desire to come to pass. I've never seen that before. Never. Never. I always viewed verse 8 as a present tense thing. Well, if something good happened to me, you know, uh, or, or, or a, past, a present or a past thing, something good, you know what, I'm just going to meditate on that. No, meditation, the imaginations used with faith to pull something into your life. This is what he said. So he said, many read this verse thinking only about present, or I guess you could say past circumstances as well, to meditate on. That is wrong. My instruction in this verse is to think about things in your imagination that you, or that you meditate on, that you desire to come to pass, that fit those boundaries. Meditate on these things in your imagination that you desire to change or to bring into your life. Listen to this. And then he said these words. This is for somebody. These things, uh, things aren't changing in your life because you're only thinking about these things in the present and past circumstances. This is meant to attract, change, and shift circumstances. I've never seen that before. Oh. No wonder things aren't changing. No wonder we're kind of stuck in the same mode because we're thinking of past things. No, we need to pull and draw things into our life for the future. So the Holy Spirit then is giving us guidance and permission to use our desire, to use our imagination, to use our faith within those holy boundaries. Whatever things fit in those boundaries, he said, meditate on those things. I like that. Whatever things are of a good report is one of them. Desire and meditate on a good report. See it on the inside and allow it to be converted to faith and watch it come to pass in the natural realm in your life. Are you following me? We meditate on a good report, what you desire according to the Word of God to come into your life. Oh, I know. I'm blowing your minds right now. I'm blowing your minds. But those two things working together consistently, the biblical meditation and imagination. As you can see, there is an anointing and there is a power attached to biblical meditation and the holy use of your imagination. Those two things working together consistently, say consistently, will reform your belief system, set you free, and put you on the biblical path of prosperity and success in your life. And you'll experience things you've never experienced before. So settle it in your heart today that you will meditate on the Word of God day and night, keep it fresh, and use your imagination for holy purposes. Let's stand up in this place. Thank you, Lord. Prayer team, come on forward if you would. Now, maybe you're in this place you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, today is the day of salvation. I want you to come forward. 
and pray with one of our prayer partners today. Today is the day. Don't leave here without making Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life because you just don't know when your time is up. Amen? I I heard one minister say, it's like a glass of sand being turned over. His friend, when he was 16, this minister's friend got in a car accident at 16, and he died at 16. And then his grandma, who was 60, said, oh, I'm almost out of here. She lived another 34 years. We don't know when we take our last breath. Are you following me? Make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today. Now, maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. If you, if you feel like you're far away from Him, maybe you're acting like the devil. You're acting like the wrong father. Come on, somebody. Today's the day to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You come down. Maybe you need to receive the Holy Spirit baptism with speaking in tongues. Today's the day you want to break through. You want to break through that bondage. You want to break through and say, I want everything that God has. If that's you, I want you to come forward. If you need prayer for anything else, I want you to come forward. We'll stay as long as we need to meet your needs in prayer. Um, By the way, so I I, I just want to say this. Next week, then, is the church picnic. If you have a testimony you want to share, don't be shy. Come on up. We'll give you a few minutes, few minutes, five minutes, whatever, and and squeeze you in. We we, We want to hear testimonies. Amen? And what God is doing and what He's done for you in the past. Also, we are so sad about Nancy Hughes' passing. Um, wonderful woman of God. She passed away on Monday. And um, I got a call from her son, Mark. And he said her funeral is going to be this Wednesday, her memorial service, this Wednesday at the Carroll Presbyterian Church at 11 a.m., uh, visitation at 10 a.m. So I gave them our, our condolences and uh I told them, unfortunately, we're going to be out of town, but, uh, but I said I would pass the message on to everyone else. But Nancy Hughes, a wonderful woman of God, longtime member of Living Waters Chapel, so we will miss her dearly. We know where she's at, though. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, everyone. We love you so much. Um, we're flying out tomorrow morning to Tampa. We're going to stay at, the, uh, at a hotel by the airport tonight, so we don't have to get up at 3 in the morning. Um, But we're going to be back on Friday night, late Friday night. Hey, I'm a phone call away, a text away. If I don't get it right away, just wait longer as I'm brushing the sand from Clearwater Beach off of my phone. (laughs) All right, everyone. I love you. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you all. Have a great week.